As you know, many of you know, and if you don't know, that's why I'm going to say to you, as we talk about Jesus' triumphal arrival into Jerusalem that final week, before he goes to the cross to die for your sin and for my sin, we see those accounts in the Gospels, and I'm going to give you those a scripture for the message here today so that you can go back, and I encourage you to read through all four of the occurrences um, so you can see the blend of that one message from four different viewpoints. In this case, the, the Holy Spirit giving Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the occurrence of this triumphal arrival of Christ. Today we'll be reading Matthew 21, verses 1 through 11. But go back and we will also, you want to read Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. You will want to look at Luke chapter 19, verses 28 through 44. And also John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. All of those occurrences talk about and refer to uh, of Christ's arrival. Now we start Passion Week, Palm Sunday, to draw us to seek God and to remind ourselves or remember our King and Savior throughout the week to the point of Resurrection Sunday. We refer, refer to as the Resurrection, where we will see in that journey what took place that final week. We will do a few messages throughout this week to bring highlight, but not all the details, but I will give you at the very end of today what I would like for you to continue to read in each of those uh, of the Gospels, to continue the story to see what took place on Monday and Tuesday uh, of, this, of that week. On Wednesday, we'll talk a little bit about that, and I will give you a little bit of what takes place on Thursday, uh, and Thursday, and then Friday I'll talk about Saturday a little bit, and then we'll wind it all together on, of course, the wonderful moment on Sunday. In Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So as Jesus was here, he's referring to and reminding of the disciples and those that were listening that he came to fulfill what God had already said in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And how important it is to go back and see this is one tremendous love letter for you and I and for them at the time as well from the start of the very beginning. That's why we study the entire scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. We want the whole counsel of God. We don't want little snippets and all my little favorite verses or Christian stories. That kind of mentality is for those who are three and four years of age, an appropriate level of maturity. But as an adult, we don't want just little stories here and there. We want the whole counsel of God to be applied into our lives. Amen? And so as we take a look at this, we see Jesus is reminding his disciples that he's fulfilling prophecy. 
What God had already spoken in truth, and now it's being fulfilled. Where do we see that back in the Old Testament? Well, on March 16th, 445, a decree was granted to Nehemiah to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. We see in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, that 483 years, or 173,880 days later, we would see a prophecy, what we refer to as the 70-week prophecy, will be fulfilled there, and it was fulfilled on April 6, 32 AD. Six days before Passover, when Jesus Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, arrived in Jerusalem as prophesied in the Old Testament. Now, if you don't understand prophecy, keep showing up. And you will learn and grow in your knowledge and understanding of the scriptures and how important prophecy is. It's one quarter of the Bible is prophecy. And it's been fulfilled 100% accuracy. There's only a few things left that we see in the scriptures that need to be fulfilled. I can't wait. Can you? Can you wait when God fulfills his word? Ah, you should be, every day we should be with a great anticipation of the Lord coming back and taking us home. We see in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 5 this decree about rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. It says, Nehemiah said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servants has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. And he was granted, not only that he could leave, but the resources and everything, free will to be able to go back and do what God's called him to do, and that is to rebuild Jerusalem. And now we see in our story here in the scriptures, Christ's triumphal arrival into Jerusalem those six days prior to Passover that came riding in on that donkey. Now, if you would please, make sure you open up to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. We're going to read it. If you are not there already, please do so. We see here in Matthew 21, verse 1, it says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, on the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. I always find that fascinating. <laughs> we don't see in the scripture, but when did God make those arrangements? Did he have to personally go make those arrangements with the people with regards to this, the donkey and her cult? Amazing how God can do and set things in order for his purpose and plan to be done in your life. Do you know that? Amazing when you read the scripture. In verse 4, and all this will be, was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Zechariah. 
Saying what? Verse 5. And we saw, and Mark read this earlier, Zechariah 9.9. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. In verse 6. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him, Jesus, on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And that, if you know the scripture, is based out of Psalm 118, verse 26. Verse 10, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Palm Sunday begins the Passion Week to celebrate the Resurrection Sunday, the rising of our King. And it is the day that we will remember and celebrate as Christ's arrival or triumphal arrival into Jerusalem. He comes as a servant, but he is also a king. A prince of peace that we see in the scripture. And as Jesus rode a donkey into the town of Jerusalem, a large crowd gathered and laid palm branches and their clothes across the road giving Jesus royal treatment. The great multitude of people shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. But we also have to understand that this is, yes, the triumphal arrival of Christ coming into Jerusalem. And their expectation is that their king has arrived and the king is going to now rise up in power and overcome the Roman government. And we're going to get our government the way we want it, our life back in order, and they're not going to rule over us. There are all kinds of mindsets in the minds of the people. But we also have to understand, this would also be the start of the steps to his final death there on the cross. They didn't understand that. That wasn't in their minds as they were celebrating Hosanna, which means save us, save now. Save now, save now. That's what they're chanting to Jesus as as they were preparing to put him on that donkey and as he was riding If you haven't had the blessing to go to Jerusalem, may you be able in the future, we will be able to join us to go to Jerusalem, to go to Israel. And you'll be there in the Mount of Olives and you can look down through the Kindred Valley and up there and you can see the walls of the Temple Mount and what a beautiful sight it is. And there by the Garden of Gethsemane, you're standing there, you're looking, you're thinking, wow. This is where in some in this, somewhere in this area they're plant. This is the story right here. They're putting the clothes down, they're cutting the branches, and they're sitting there preparing him as he's going down that hill and across the valley and back in, up into Jerusalem. 
What a moment that would be. In Matthew chapter 21 verse 4, it tells us this took place to fulfill what was spoken of by the prophet Zechariah. Jesus had come at this point somewhat of a celebrity. He was just in awe by the people because of what he had been doing in the ministry for three years. He had heard the miraculous rising of Lazarus from the dead. That's who they were following. This man can raise people from the dead. This is amazing. Amazing what he's going to do as our king. He can raise someone from the dead. He can certainly overcome Rome. And so they treated him like a king. But remember, Jesus wasn't arriving to be their king at this day. He wasn't arriving as a king in account of Lazarus and the story of Lazarus and what that would bring. It certainly spun the religious leaders' minds out of control. It causes them to go into turmoil over what they were witnessing and experiencing of what Jesus was doing there in the land. And it caused such an uproar and it was determined to put him to death, whatever it took. They didn't like the competition. But Jesus' glory would be greater than any local king would ever do. Now in the continuing steps after Palm Sunday, we begin this Passion Week. To remind us now today of what the sequence of events and what can imagine of what, the, what was going through Jesus' mind and the people's mind and what was going to happen. They had no clue. The people had no clue what was going to happen to the king that they were putting on that donkey that day to just be praising him and just looking for this change of government. But that wasn't God's intent. Jesus' intent was to come in as a peacemaker. That's what would happen he came in on a donkey. He didn't come in as a king on a horse to triumphantly battle. He came in on a donkey to be able to show a person of peace. And on this continuing steps that Jesus would take as his arrival began his journey toward the cross at Calvary. Yet maybe in the midst of ever-changing life then, but also of our ever-changing life and uncertainties in our lives today. May we keep our prayers and planning about the Resurrection Sunday in mind because of the fact that we're reminded that our King is alive. May we not forget that our Savior, our King, is alive and He's coming back for us. As we're preparing for, many people call it Easter. Many people focus on what maybe the world would offer as Easter, but may we as children of God keep an understanding that we celebrate that our King is resurrected. He is alive. That should be our focus in our celebrations. God's word reveals such great truths in every part of the story through as you read through it this week. And may those truths draw us closer in a deeper relationship with Christ. There's five things 
that we will see here in our scripture five things about Palm Sunday that reminds us of Christ's arrival. That Christ is our King. Take note, the first one was in verse 8 of chapter 21 here of Matthew. God's word tells us that the people cut palm branches and waved. Now you're saying, well, I don't remember you reading that. Well, that's why you're going to go back to John chapter 12, verse 13, which is where you'll see the type of branches they cut off that they referenced here in Matthew. They were palm branches. And they would cut them off and they would... You know, a fan like, like a, a king would be fanned, but laying them down, showing peace as his arrival coming into Jerusalem. These palm branches represent goodness and victory and was symbolic of the final victory, that political freedom and independence they would have because of their king's arrival. But soon he would fulfill Death instead. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. It says, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? And if you continue in those verses 56 through 58, it says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. His triumphal arrival and his journey through this week, which will result to his death on the cross and then his resurrection, will overcome and bring victory for you and I because he's conquered death. We have no fear of death. There's no concern for us for death. Because our sins have been forgiven. We have life. Apart from this body, we'll be in the presence of the Lord. How could we, why would we ever fear of death? When you know as a child of God that you are not going to die, you're just going to leave this body and be given a brand new body. But at, at my age... And maybe at your age, we're excited about getting a new body. I don't know about you. Because these tents are wearing out. I think mine was wearing out at 20. Too much sports at the time. <laughs> but no, the sting of death that he is being referred to in the 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is the sting of sin. Sin will no longer have sting in our life. Strength, no longer the strength of sin will be over battling us down and conquering us any longer. But we give thanks to our God for having given us victory because he went to the cross for us. So the palm branches, and as the waving of the palm branches and as a symbol of what that means, we have victory in Jesus. And we can rest in that relationship and have great joy. The second thing that we see with Palm Sunday, this Sunday as he's arriving into Jerusalem, we see that Jesus chose to ride in on a donkey, which directly fulfills the Old Testament prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. And again, in biblical times, it was very common for the king or important people to arrive by showing a, a, a procession 
And as they led the procession on a donkey, it spoke to the people who were watching, symbolizing peace. And so those who chose to ride them showed that they came as a peaceful intentions, not to try to overthrow the government. But the fact that he was reminded, and we see in the scripture, that he was a prince of peace that was arriving. We see that in Zechariah again, 9.9. The third thing is we see that the people were shouting Hosanna or Hosanna, depending where you're from. You know, you're down in New Jersey, you get a little more twang to it, you know, Hosanna, you know, if you're, it depends if you're in the South. But the main point is, as you say that, you have to understand they're saying, Hail Christ the King. Save now, save now. That is, was their heart's desire for Jesus' arrival on that day. Wouldn't you? If you're suppressed by the government, if you're controlled by the government, and you have no freedom to worship your God because the government, would you not be crying out, save now, save now? I don't know about you, but I hope it's your prayer today. Come now, Lord Jesus. Come now. Take us home. This is not our home. Take us home. We're ready to come. But at the same time, we, we ponder on those who we love that are not saved. And you say, Lord, May it be your perfect timing when you do come. Because there's so many people I want to share the good news with. And maybe they'll get saved before you come back for your, your bride and take us home. But at that time, they weren't thinking about going to heaven. They were thinking about being freed from the oppression of the government. And that's what they were saying. Save now. We want our king now. God had a different way. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We have to understand that God has a perfect plan and a purpose. Our desire is to just seek after him, to hear from him what his plan is and what his desires are for us to do and be part of that plan. Psalm 118.26, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we also see the very moment in Romans 10.9, that exact thing that we need to be praying for and saying today. And that is if you confess your mouth, with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Again, Romans 10.9 is so clear how important we keep that in the front of our minds and our thoughts and our hearts toward the people we come across each and every day. And if it's not physical, it comes across us, may it be reminders in our prayer time that we would then continue to intercede for those who we love, our neighbors and our friends, our co-workers, that they would confess with their mouth that the Lord Jesus Christ is is who he is and what he has done. And that they would believe that he was raised from the dead and be saved. Is that what's on our hearts each and every day for those we love and those who we come across? And maybe just 
bring back to memory, that the Lord brings back to memory? Is that where our understanding is? I hope it is. Because when your mind is set upon how God thinks and be in his will when it comes to reaching the lost, encouraging those in the faith, may we be reminded this Palm Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna. Save now. Say, I pray, Lord, that this person gets saved today. This person, my family member, gets saved today. The neighbor I just met gets saved today. Lord, I pray for your grace and your mercy upon their lives. The people there in Jerusalem, all they could see is the here and now. They just wanted to get the government off their backs and to be able to live their lives however they want to live it. May that not be us. That we just, God, can you get things all in order and let us just have a, an easy life as a Christian? Oh, how we desire to have a peaceful life and be able to peacefully worship our God. Yes, absolutely. But as we know the scriptures, we know that the Lord is coming back soon. May we be active to intercede for those who we, God puts on our hearts that we love to see be saved, of course. But may our hearts be in heaven, our thoughts be in heaven, where we know we're going home and not set up camp and just think we're going to want a different government or a different president or a different this or a different that, local government, governor of the state, whatever it may be. May our minds be set upon the fact that Jesus is our king. And he's in control. And he's coming back. That's where our minds need to be set. We see a fourth thing here on Palm Sunday. The Bible says that Jesus wept for Jerusalem. In the midst of the praise of the moment, he knew in his heart that it wouldn't be long that these same people would turn their backs on him. They would betray him. They actually would be the ones, say, crucify him, crucify him. His heart broke with the reality of how much they needed a Savior. We see in Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through and 42, it says, Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this, this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. How heavy that must have been on our Lord to look over Jerusalem and start weeping. You say this now, Hosanna, 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 save now, save now. You see me as king, you want, you want what you want, you want me to take and make your life easier and simpler here on this earth. You say that now. But how quickly you will turn against me. 
when your heart is not for me personally, you only want what you could get from me. May that be a warning to many. Many will say, as we see in the scripture, Lord, Lord. But you don't know him. Personally. We know in the scripture, in the end times, as we see persecution will rise and things will become more difficult, there'll be a great falling away of following Jesus. This should remind us how easy that can happen. One moment you're saying, save now, help me, get me out of this situation, get me out of this terrible life I find myself that I probably put myself in in the first place, but get me out of it now. And as Jesus experienced, I'm the one that's coming to bring you peace. The relationship you could have with me could bring such peace in your heart and in your minds. You wouldn't be crying out, save now, save now. You would be at such peace knowing I've arrived. And that's the encouragement to us today. Jesus did arrive. But more importantly, he is resurrected and he is coming back for us. And he is the Prince of Peace and it should fill our hearts and our minds that should just bring such peace in our lives as we live for him until he calls us home. And we see here that as Jesus weeps over, he weeps over each and every person who may say they know him but haven't surrendered and allow him to be Lord of their, of their life. My prayer this morning is that as you hear this, God is speaking to your heart and that you will surrender all and allow him to be Lord. Complete control over your life. That you will live for no one or nothing, no organization ever again. You will live your life for him. And you'll experience that peace that he talks about. The fifth thing that we see here in Palm Sunday reminds us of is that the fact that the reign of Christ is far greater than anything the mind of man could ever conceive. The reign of Christ is so beyond our own understanding, beyond our own plans that we could ever develop. Man looked for someone to fight their battles in the present moment. Save now, Jesus. Come now. You're, the, you're from Nazareth of Galilee. You're going to save us now. That's all they could think of is the present and the now. Make this world better place. Yet God had the ultimate plan already put in place of sending his son, Jesus, to fight the final battle over death, which would happen at the end of the week. That's why we celebrate. That's why we have such joy this time of year to remind us of the greatness of God's plan. 
Because his ultimate sacrifice will be his own life for you and me. And there's no greater love than that. We see in John chapter 11 verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though, they, though he may die, he shall live. The resurrection. Do you have that life that God promises anyone who believes? I pray you do. We have so much to be grateful for this week. The enemy knows that. The enemy is absolutely in turmoil to know that God's people are celebrating this whole week of what he's done for them. But the enemy will beat it down, will try to come against you and me, going and doing anything they can to distract us from the true meaning of this Passion Week. Many will get caught up into the celebrations of the, what the world designs. They will, will celebrate maybe the coming of a better weather of spring. But may you not get distracted, my brothers and sisters, from the joy of remembering what Jesus is a has done, but what we will see as we study through this week, what he is in the process of doing as he goes to the cross. It's Passion Week. May God direct your thoughts, attentions, your prayers toward what matters the most, and that is Jesus Christ our King. Let us choose to focus on worshiping our Lord. May we use our, this time, this week of much prayer. If the Lord leads you to much fasting and praying. That you would choose this week, if you find yourself this morning asking the question, do I really have the passion for Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord? As my king. If I don't have that deep passion for him personally. I pray this is the week. Your life changes so radically. That you would desire. To spend. Daily. Interacting with your Lord. Reading the word and listening to him as he speaks to you and directs your steps of your life that he has planned out for you. That it's no longer, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? How am I going to get saved? Who can save me? But understand that you've been saved. And that God loves you. And that he has a plan for you. And that you will desire to hear and be willing to change whatever he shows you to change. That if there's sin that's creeping around the back door of your life again, that you won't entertain it. You'll flee from it. That it may be not be sin that's creeping around you and crowding out the, 
darkening your doorstep. Maybe it's relying too much on yourself or the things of this world to offer you. Remember last week in Second Timothy, we learned there was three enemies that creep against us. The world, our flesh, and the devil himself, or his demonic forces. May we be so close. May we be worshiping our Lord Jesus every day like these the people just they didn't understand but you understand as a child of God who you're worshiping and what he has already done for you that he is your provider he is your savior and he is your king This is what should dominate your mind wherever you find yourself in life. He's your all in all. And I pray that's, if you're not there yet, I pray this is the week as you ponder on his word and ponder on what he has has done for your life personally, you will go deeper in your relationship with him, deeper in your commitment to serve him, deeper into your worship time to him and that your life would be radically changed for him. There is no better place to be in this time as we praise and worship him this Passion Week. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15 is a great reminder of God's grace. Thanks be to God For his indescribable gift. That gift is the gift of grace. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It is a free gift that he offers each and every one of us. The question is, have you received it? I pray you have. Are you satisfied with your current relationship with Christ? That is the question I leave with you today as we start this Passion Week. And if you find yourself saying, no, I'm not where I want to be in my relationship with Christ, I'm not there. Some of you may say, I used to be there. I used to be on fire for Christ. What happened? What happened? But let me remind you of God's grace. You can come back and start again. You can start over again. Come back to your first love and spend time with him in prayer. Spend time reading his word, listening to him. He has so much he wants to share with you. And let the world not have the grip on you any longer. Not let, get out of that youthful lust that can become creeping back in your life. And don't let the darkness of this world, the demonic forces, stop pondering and watching and listening to those things. They'll just bring you down and away from hearing from God. And so as we take a look at this and we look and 
celebrate of Christ's arrival this day. May you continue to read through the scriptures. And because as we go into Monday, as you continue to pick up here in verse 12 through 17, you're going to see the second cleansing of the temple. And there's other areas where there's a first cleansing, there's a second cleansing. You're going to see Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and he's not just going to come in and just look around. He's going to prepare the people of what will take place at the end. And then when we get into Tuesday, you're going to see the fig tree, the barren fig tree. You're going to see the chief priests coming against him. You're going to start seeing the parable of the two sons. And you want to read and study that. And you're going to see the parable of the wicked uh, husbandman. You're going to look at the tribute of the money. You're going to see the Sadducees coming against him. You're going to see the great commandment. You're going to see the reference of God, David's son and David's Lord. You're going to see the hypocrisy of the Pharisees being played out. You're going to see the simplicity of the widow's might. And as you continue, you'll see Christ's second coming foretold. And then you'll see the parable of the ten virgins, of being ready. And then you'll speak of the last judgment. Then you'll see the voice from heaven. You'll hear and reference the judgment of the unbelief. Then you'll see the last Passover the, and the conspiracy of the Jews coming against Jesus. And then you'll see Judas Iscariot playing out his role. That takes us all away. But then you'll have to come back Wednesday. I'll be picking back up from the story at that point. And we'll get through also the Passover supper Wednesday night. We'll talk about that, which takes us into Thursday.